0: behind us the U.S. men's national team is set to begin some very important games coming up here this is the SBI show on a road trip Ivis Golarsip is in Cleveland Ohio what's up man hey nothing much Garrett I'm, I'm here
1: in rainy Cleveland uh, on the banks of Lake Erie I believe it is and uh, we're about to start this stretch of games for the U.S. Uh, five games in about two and a half weeks and a very important stretch for, for Jürgen Klinsmann and his squad, and it all starts here in Cleveland on Wednesday with USA versus Belgium.
0: Yeah, it's going to be very important, like you said, taking on Belgium right there, then Germany, then the World Cup qualifying. fine. Uh, lots for us to talk about on today's show. We're going to recap the weekend that was MLS. We're going to talk about some trades, uh, Robbie Rogers playing. Uh, some other important news, uh, we actually we didn't have a show last week, Ivis, on Thursday, so we still have to talk about the 20th MLS team that's now NY NYCFC, we'll talk about them, but before we get into all that, let's talk about the U.S. men's national team. Ivis, you had a chance to check out the team today, what's the pulse of the team right now?
1: Well, you know, the, the team's starting to come together, uh, you have players coming in uh, into camp still, uh, the group's not fully complete yet, uh, actually the news today uh, the news on Monday was that Maurice Du and Corey Ash are have left because of injuries. Uh, Corey Ash was actually a late addition to the group, but he injured himself uh, in Houston's game over the weekend against Kansas City, so he never actually uh, made it out here, I believe. Uh, but Maurice Du obviously is a big loss for the U.S. He's someone who who started in uh, in Mexico, uh, so you know he's, he's someone who has been a part of of jurgen klinsman's plan but now he is out for these upcoming games and then you also have breck shea who uh, uh is now in dallas or on his way to dallas to receive some treatment on a on a calf injury uh, he's expected to be back in a week and he uh he's expected to be back in time for the qualifying matches it looks like well he will miss these upcoming friendlies uh to uh, wednesday against belgium and saturday and sunday against germany but he should be back and uh you know, the team's still coming together. You know, you have, uh, obviously, Michael Bradley, who just played in Copa Italia uh, with Roma, which lost, obviously, to Lazio on on the, on the weekend. And also, you had uh, Edgar Castillo, Joe Corona, who were just finishing up with uh, the Copa Libertadores. They were, uh, well, they're, they're still, they have their second leg in the quarterfinals against Atlético Minero and Ronaldinho, uh they they suffered a bit of a heart-wrenching tie in in, in the Copa Libertadores in Mexico and now they have to go down to Brazil and beat you know the top seed in the tournament and it's not going to be an easy task so uh right now the key for this week uh and th- these days in Cleveland is is Jurgen Klinsmann putting a group together and testing some people out and uh, obviously this game is a big game you have, it's uh you know most likely uh, will probably will be the 100th cap for DeMarcus Beasley and that's probably going to be the Dominate, dominant, dominant storyline coming into this game.
0: You're right. Uh, U.S. is going to be without a few players, a few uh, players who could actually be starting for this team. Uh, some interesting notes, though, coming out of this game. Demarcus Beasley is uh, set to earn his 100th cap. He'd be only the 12th uh, U.S. player in history to do that. Very impressive for a player, uh, for guys like you, Ivis. You know, you've been able to you know watch him throughout the whole entire process of him playing for the U.S. men's national team.
1: Well, you know, the number it's definitely an impressive number. And, you know, when he was a younger player, obviously, when, you know, you talk about a guy who was, you know,
0: at 20 years
1: old at the World Cup uh, in 2002 in South Korea, you know, and he was outstanding in some key games in the group stage that that tournament. You kind of get, you know, you got the sense then that, you know, if, he, if things break right for this guy, that he could have himself a pretty good career, pretty long mm-hmm. career. Obviously, there was always the questions about his physical makeup and could he handle the wear and tear. Uh, and, and that's been an issue for him at times, obviously. Injuries, you know, he, he's had his, his ups and downs from an injury standpoint. And the last few years, he, you know, he struggled to, to find consistent playing time. He had a bit of a disappointing stint in Germany that didn't work out for him. But everything turned around for him when he came back to, to the Conga Calf region and, and went to Mexico, where even he himself said, you know, he, he never would have pictured himself going there. But it totally rejuvenated his career. And, and here he is now. Uh, a fan favorite at Puebla in Mexico and, and doing really well, and he's w- played his way back into the national team mix, and, and obviously everyone that saw him in March saw what he was able to do when he was called, in, called on, uh, starting at left back, playing two great games, and, and now here he is, probably going to be a key part of these games here in the, in, in the coming weeks.
0: Uh, we could talk about what position will be playing here in, in a couple minutes. If anyone wants more information on uh DeMarcus Beasley, uh on the S on dot Dan Carell wrote an excellent article about that. It was fabulous. So we'll go check that out. Uh also Stuart Holden. Ivis, what was it like to see Stuart Holden back in a U.S. men's national team uniform?
1: Well, I tell you what, it had been several It had been more than two and a half years since uh he had been in uh in a camp and in in, in wearing U.S. national team attire and it was almost like a flashback. You know, it'd been so long, you're thinking, like, man, is this 2009, 2010? Uh, and But here he is. He's back. And, and, you know, he's still obviously working his way into things. But, you know, when Jurgen Klinsman made that decision, uh, you know, there were obviously question marks about where, how far along is he? How realistic is it uh, to expect him to play a key role in things? Is the Gold Cup the more realistic uh, goal for him? And, you know, I had a chance to talk to him today and and ask him a bunch of questions about that. And I got to say, he sounds pretty confident about being able to play a role, not just in the Gold Cup, uh, where where I do think he's going to be a key player on that U.S. team, but he does want to push for some playing time here in these upcoming qualifiers. He, he says he's fit. He's ready to go. You know, he, he was able to get those games uh, with Sheffield Wednesday that, that helped accelerate his recovery process. Uh, and now, you know, the, the trick for him is is to impress Klinsman enough uh, to push himself into some playing time. And, and uh, you know, you, you hear him, you talk to him, and he, he feel it, it gave him a boost to get this call up. I mean, it, it was definitely uh, something that he needed, something that really showed him that that the hard work has paid off and that he is it, – it's there for the taking and obviously you have a situation with when now with someone like Maurice Du is out is injured mm-hmm. you know that helps him maybe move up a bit in the in, in the depth chart gives him an opportunity maybe to get some minutes that he might not have otherwise gotten and and you know we should start thinking hey maybe maybe he will uh have a part to play in these upcoming
0: qualifiers that, that would be uh, amazing have have you had a chance to watch him play i mean where's where's he at is he still maybe a little behind or well, you know, yeah. we, we don't get to see the games,
1: uh, in the U.S., unfortunately. Uh, the, the, the deal in England is, you know, they have the Premier League. So the Premier League has, you know, you're talking 10 matches a weekend. Uh, there just isn't a TV demand for the lower division. So it's pretty much impossible to find Bolton games or Sheffield Wednesday games. So we haven't ever been able to see him play, but the review has been pretty positive, uh, as far as, you know, how he's looked. And obviously, Jurgen Klinsman has been out and he's taught the coaches from Bolton and Sheffield Wednesday. And the reviews have been positive, so he has seen enough, and he, and and Klinsman is confident enough in what he has heard about and what he's seen to call him in. And and now, and, and also now, I've heard from people in Houston. He trained with the Stuart Holden Trade when the Dynamo recently, and, and and he got some positive reviews there, that he looked pretty sharp and, and pretty strong. So from that standpoint, it sounds like physically he is back, and and now it's just a case of of getting some games and and, and getting there into into the line of duty and. the uh the the live action on the international level and and, you know you hope there's a chance for him in these upcoming friendlies uh whether it's belgium uh, whether it's germany uh this week uh for him to get some minutes and just to show us you know how far along he is
0: well ivis let's uh let's look at the team for the game on belgium let's let's name your starting 11 i always love it when we do this we go over who you think's gonna be starting in goal tim howard does he take it back
1: Oh, it's his job. He's the number one. Jurgen Klinsmann made that clear. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what Klinsmann does with these games because you figure Tim Tim's number one. He's going to start in the three qualifiers, right? So do you give Brad Guzan one of these friendlies at, at, at either 90 minutes or 45 minutes in each friendly? Uh, so I think that's going to be interesting. But I do think uh, Klinsmann is going to want to get Tim Howard games with, his, with the back four, with his preferred back four. Uh, So from that standpoint, I think think Tim Howard's
0: got to start. And then we move up to the next line, defense. Are we going to see – we could see the same – I think we'll see the same defense that we saw against Mexico with DeMarcus Beasley on the left, Beasler-Gonzalez in the middle, and Jeff Cameron on the right side. Is is that what we're going to see?
1: Well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, As far as left back goes, obviously Fabian Johnson's not here.
0: Well, I'm going for – He's not
1: here. So Beasley at at left back, you would think, okay, he should play left back. So that, that one you can lock up. Uh, center back's an interesting one because you have four guys all competing. Uh, Jeff Cameron today made the comment that you know he's been he's been brought here to be a center back. Now, if that's the case, then you have you have to ask yourself who is Klinsman looking to partner with Cameron? Because I find it tough to imagine Jeff Cameron not being in the starting lineup. If Jeff Cameron's at center back, then you're talking about three players competing for one spot: Matt Beesler, Omar Gonzalez, Clarence Goodson. Uh, if that is the case, and Jeff Cameron's not going to play it right back, uh, that's going to open. That's going to raise some interesting questions about that position, and who he might, who Jurgen uh, Clinton might turn to. Because from a natural right back standpoint, uh, Michael Parkhurst is in camp, uh, but he hasn't been playing. You know, so w- do you put him in against Belgium uh, to deal with you know someone like Aiden Hazard, who if he's healthy, is going to you know cause some serious problems, um, or do you go with Brad Evans, who's in camp now and can play the right-back position. Oh, man. Uh, so, I don't
0: think so, Brad Evans has a speed, though, to be
1: playing right-back. Well, that's the thing, you know. that That's why it's a little surprising to hear Jeff Cameron uh, make, make the comment yeah. that, you know, he's, he's here to play center back. Personally, I agree with you. I think we should see the back four that we saw against Mexico. Beasley, Beasler, Gonzalez, and Cameron. I think that should be the back four. Uh, but again, we don't know what Klinsman has in mind. You know, when he's looking at the opponents for these upcoming matches, uh, does he feel more comfortable with Cameron at center back? Uh, I think we're going to find that out, obviously, in these coming games. So uh, I think it, it just seems like we're going to be in for a bit of a wild card here uh, in the back line.
0: Well, okay. Well, so, okay. But you didn't give me who the starting four is, who you think is going to be. I'll, I'll play it
1: safe for now, and I'll say we'll go with the Mexico back four okay. Beasley, Beasler, Gonzalez. And Cameron. And if it isn't Cameron at right back, I, I'd say it's going to be Parker at right back with Jeff Cameron uh partnered with uh I'll say I'll say Beesler. I'll say Beasler just from uh from a you know matchup uh perspective. I think Beasler Cameron maybe is is a is a is a t- tandem we could see.
0: Okay, then we move up to the midfield. I, I think this is where it's gonna get interesting right here because you have no Michael Bradley, no Maurice So You have your best two I guess you could say holding mids out of this for the Belgium game. You have Jermaine Jones. Does you're going to do one holding mid? Do like a four? Do like a four four two with a diamond in the middle? Are they going to do maybe a four two with the two holding mids? What what could they do here, Ivis?
1: Jermaine Jones is going to start, right? Michael Bradley's not back. I think Sasha Clesson is a player that you could see in the middle. I think central midfield. Uh, you know, this is is an opportunity for for He he plays in Belgium. He's familiar with, with with a lot of the players on the Belgian team. Some of them are his teammates at Anderlecht. I think there's a perfect opportunity for Klinsman to get a look at him against a high-level opponent uh, and some quality midfielders like Belgium has and, uh, and see what he can do. So I think centrally, I think you're going to see a Jones-Kleshton uh, partnership. I don't think Holden, Stuart Holden is ready to get thrown into the starting lineup just yet. I think it would be a little early for him. Obviously, it, you know, if, if he sees something, if he thinks he's ready, then yeah, maybe he throws him in. But I just get the sense that Kleshton seems like a better bet to start on Wednesday.
0: Okay, then, then, so you have two mids right there. Then I'm guessing you're going to put guys on the wing. Is that where Zuzi and Gomez are going to go?
1: I'd say so. I think that's uh, that's going to be the tandem that 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 you expect uh, to. You know, they they obviously started against Mexico, uh, putting a lot of defensive work there. Uh, I think yeah, I think Zuzi you're going to Zuzi on the uh, right and
0: Gomez on the left. And then you go up top. What do you have? I mean, you have Josie Altadore in camp. Does he get the start with uh, Clint Dempsey?
1: Well, I tell you, it really depends on the fitness, uh, on Josie Altidore's fitness level. Obviously, he's had about, I think, two weeks off uh, after the Dutch season ended. And, uh, you know, obviously last year he took time off, and it really affected his fitness. So you, you have to ask, you know, the question is, how fit is he? How much fitness did he lose? And how, and how much did he learn from last year's situation to keep make sure he doesn't let himself lose fitness too much? Uh, if he is fit, I think we're going to see Altidore and Dempsey together Although you have to ask yourself, also with game on Sunday against Germany, is that the game where we see a true full starting eleven? And is this Belgium game more likely a game where we we see an experimentation, where we see some something different? Maybe we see an Eddie Johnson up top with Clint Dempsey. Uh, obviously, you know those two guys are are, are you know longtime friends and, and they have a good chemistry together. So that wouldn't that wouldn't surprise me either. But again, it comes down to fitness. If Josie Altador is fit, I think you want to get him in the lineup, get him with the starters, try to work on that on that 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 connection between those guys because obviously the attack is not quite fired well. Uh, so I think he's in there. If he's not fit though, Eddie Johnson, you got to give Eddie Johnson a go. He's obviously match fit. He's in the middle of MLS season. He's been scoring goals. So I think Eddie Johnson is going to get the nod. If Josie can't
0: can't go, uh, it's going to be interesting in this one. the The bench is going to be very limited. I mean, we, we it's it's kind of crazy when you look at the options that are going to be on the bench for the U.S. team. I mean, you are going to have Brad Davis, uh, D- Danny Williams, Stuart Holden's another guy. I mean, Brad Evans. It's it's going to be interesting to see what Jurgen will do as far as you said experimentation going into this game if he does any at all.
1: Right. Well, I mean, you know, Terrence Boyd uh, is here. He actually arrived today. as As we were leaving the stadium, he was just pulling in a, in a, in a taxi and uh, you know, he just scored this weekend. So, you know, you know, he's match fit, you know, he's been playing well, he's confident, you know, he's going to take full advantage of any opportunity that he gets. He's someone I think we should see in the, in, 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 if not this game, the Germany game. I think we definitely see him in the Germany game. I just think for, for everything that that would mean to, to, to all those German Americans, you know, I think, I think that's an important game for them, you know, to, to, to kind of show their, their their allegiance and 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 play for the, the shirt and obviously they all all those guys it means something to them to play for the U S and obviously Terrence Boyd it means everything to him to play for the U S so I think that game is going to be a, a fun one to watch and and if Boyd doesn't get a chance on Wednesday I think he absolutely is going to get a chance on Sunday against Germany
0: well I think uh, we obviously know that Belgium's is bringing their number one team what's your prediction for this Ivis what what is what what's a what's what could what could the result be? It, it's interesting, you know. I mean, Belgium, they're,
1: uh, you know, like you said, they're bringing a full-strength team. Uh, if they pull out, if they put their absolute best possible lineup on the field, I mean, that is a tough team. Uh, that is a talented team. And the thing with Belgium is, you know, for all the talent they have, they haven't quite played up to their expectations, played up to their, their, their potential. Uh, when you talk about the... The the stars that they have on that team, you know, you, Benteke, Fellaini, company, Aiden Hazard. I mean, they, they're stacked. They're so stacked with talent. Um, but it hasn't always translated from a team production standpoint. So, um, I think you know the fact that they're part of this 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 run up for the U.S. in the qualifiers. I gotta believe they're gonna play a really strong team. And if they do that, it's gonna be tough for the U.S. because you know you're talking about no Michael Bradley. No, no, Fabian Johnson, Josie Altador may not be fit, um, so you know it's it's not it's not a U.S. team at its best. So it's going to be tough. I, I you know I think a best case scenario would be a tie, maybe you go one one tie. But I think if that Belgium team is firing, uh, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough for the U.S. defense to to deal with that. Yeah, you know when especially at right back, you don't know what's going on with the right back position. Gerundolo is not here. Timmy Chandler is hurt. Uh, you know. So, so that that's gonna be a tough one. Aiden Hazard could have could absolutely have himself a field day if he's healthy and out there.
0: Yeah, we could see that. I, I think depending on the U.S. does back line will really determine the result of this game because I I just think Belgium's pace up top is just gonna be very tough for the U.S. to hang with, depending on on who they have back there. But I'll I'll, I'll go with maybe a a two one U.S. loss. I, I hate to do it, but I, I no, think- that's fair. That's a fair one. I, I hate to do it. Um, but I'll say, why not? Josie Atador gets the goal. Uh <laughs> in. Another good U.S. Men's National Team news: Danny Williams and Fabian Johnson. Their team Hoffenheim defeated K- Kaiser uh, Kaiser Slatern two to one, and they are now staying in the Bundesliga next year. So congratulations to them. Obviously, that's good news. That's a it's a you know stunning,
1: stunning turnaround for them. You know when you talk about a few weeks back, if you, if you went a month back, uh, Hoffenheim looked dead in the water. They looked like they were absolutely heading for relegation, and, and they turned it around at the end. They scored an, a, a huge win against Borussia Dortmund at the end of the year. Obviously, Dortmund' season was done. They had the Champions League uh, final to to focus on. That they, they hadn't, they weren't winning the league anymore. But that does not matter. Hoffenheim took care of business, and then they they beat Kaiser Slaughter in the playoff in the relegation playoff. And you know, it, it's got to be great for you know Fabian Johnson to come in now. With that momentum of that result and his performances, playing on the left wing and at left back uh, now to come into the U.S. team and hopefully come in riding with a wave of confidence that he can ride into these important qualifiers, he's absolutely going to be a starter for the U.S. team if he's healthy, Uh, whether it's left back or whether it's left wing. You know, I wrote recently a a piece about uh, on SBI about about Fabian Johnson on the left wing and maybe how he could be an answer or uh, an option to help spark the offense and, and create more chances. And that's something people should keep an eye out, out for. You know, Obviously, the whole relegation playoff thing uh, has kept him out of this Belgium game, which would have been a great opportunity to see him on the left wing. Maybe that Germany game is a game he can step out there and, and, and show us what he can do in the left wing. But I think with DeMarcus Beasley and Edgar Castillo looking to be pretty solid left-back options, you have to think about... Fabian Johnson at left left wing, and and also yeah you know you have to think about him uh, at possibly at right back. You know he played right back uh, against Mexico in August, and if if the right back situation is a little unsettled, and if you want Cameron at center back instead of right back, then we got to start thinking about a, a back four potentially of Beasley or Castillo at left back, Fabian Johnson at right back, and then. Jeff Cameron and Matt Biesler potentially, or Omar Gonzalez potentially, in the middle. And and, uh, that'd be pretty good pace on the wings, uh, pretty good size and athleticism in the middle. So uh, this is going to be an interesting week, I tell you. These two games are going to tell us a lot, and and there's a lot that has yet to be resolved as far as who the 11 is going to be that Klinsman is going to go with uh, once qualifying uh, kicks back up in Jamaica.
0: And you're right, Ivis. It's going to be interesting to see with, with players coming in. Maybe there could be some more injuries, which means they're going to have to bring in new players, players stepping up in other leagues. It's The next couple weeks are going to be fascinating. Uh, speaking of being very busy, the U-20s are also busy. They're going to be in France participating in the Talon tournaments. They're in a very tough group first game for the U.S. U-20 team is tomorrow against France at 1.30 Eastern. It's on BN Sports, so I think you have to have Dish or Direct TV. I have, I have regular cable, so I don't, I don't have the game. But it's at 1.30 Eastern tomorrow if you want to watch that game. It's against France. Uh, and Ivis, uh, I'm really excited about this U-20 team because uh, I really think a lot of these guys are going to be the future of the uh, senior U.S. men's national team.
1: Well, I'll tell you, the Toulon tournament is the last tune-up, the last warm-up for this group before the World Cup. And and, and as we all know, the, the, the U.S. under-20 team as talented as it is, is facing a really tough road at the World Cup. Uh, when you talk about playing Spain and France uh, in the group of death, uh, so, so that that that's going to be a really tough one, and obviously Ghana as well. Uh, but this tournament's important because it's going to tell us a lot about about starters and about what the starting lineup could look like. Uh, and, and you know, one of the bigger developments, uh, you know, Tab Ramos was in New York recently, uh, and, and he spoke to us the media in New York about his team, and, and he let the kid out of the bag on John Anthony Brooks, the German-American center back that, that U.S. fans have been kind of waiting to see if he'd play for the U.S., and right, Ty Ramos basically let it be known that, 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 that John, Anthony, John Anthony Brooks will not play for the U.S. in the Under-20 World Cup, and it basically came down to the, a timing situation. He hadn't made a decision yet, and the U.S. had to put in their preliminary list their preliminary roster list to FIFA, and since he hadn't committed yet, uh, the U.S. had no choice but to go another direction. And he's not on the team, and he won't be on the team. And that's a that's a big blow, you know, for this U.S. squad. Who, you know, for all the attack, attacking talent on this team, the defense there's still some question marks there. You know, when you talk about in qualifying, them having to turn to a pair of converted midfielders mm-hmm. uh, to play in in the back at center back, and even with Shane O'Neill now getting regular playing time at center back for the Colorado Rapids and even with Caleb Stanko, you know, looking solid there, you know, the the under 20 captain uh, who's better suited as a defensive midfielder, uh you still that's a big loss because John Anthony Brooks is absolutely if if you count him in the US pool is the best American center back in that conversation in, in that pool. But obviously he's out of the picture now and now you want to wonder and now the question is what does Tab Ramos do with the pool that he has? And I was, I'll tell you what, I was a little surprised. Uh, you know, I asked him specifically about Walker Zimmerman, a player who before his injuries, before, you know, when you're talking about 2012 when he was the captain of the under-20 team, this is a guy who was a pencil in, penciled in, locked in starter at center back. Then obviously he had the injuries that have sidelined him for most of 2013. Uh, and now he's on the outside looking in. And Tabra almost pretty much said as much. You know, he said, uh, you know, right now he, he's kind of on the periphery. Maybe if there's injuries he can get in the mix, but but now you're talking about Walker Zimmerman and Zimmerman's healthy now, he's starting to get some minutes with FC Dallas. He actually got his first start this past weekend and uh you know started in a in a FC Dallas win and FC Dallas shot and he played pretty well. He actually played well uh against uh, the San Jose earthquake so it, it's a tough one you know that how how that team comes together uh I don't think it's done yet you know he hit, still has some tough decisions to make. And this Toulon tournament is going to be a great one for U.S. fans to
0: see. They're also missing some other players, too. Right. To, well, the to tournament is not
1: the full squad yes. because, obviously, Luis Gill, Jose Villarreal were not released, DeAndre Yedlin. Uh, the guys who play regularly for their MLS teams mm-hmm. are not there. Uh, neither is, uh, I think, Caleb Stanko. I don't think he's there. Either Mario Rodriguez as well is not there. Um, so, yeah, there's guys missing, obviously. So it's not the full team. But I still think the tournament's going to be a good way, a good place for some guys to cement their positions either as starters or as people that are going to be on this roster. So if you have a chance to watch these games, you're going to want to watch them because Uh, these are going to be good tests for for the team that Ted Ramos is bringing to France.
0: You know, a lot of these players uh, a couple months ago when we started talking about them really, you know, started making names for themselves. Is there any players that, you know, we should, you know, obviously be paying attention to that, that, you know, that you you identify because you've been doing a good job lately of identifying young guys coming up. Is there anyone that you're, you know, pretty high on going into this?
1: Well, I'll tell you, obviously DeAndre Edlin is someone that a lot of people are talking about now. Uh, He's someone who, you know, Six months ago, no one was really talking about because he, you know, he was just a college player. He was just coming into MLS, and, and not many people would have penciled him in to to take over the starting right back job uh, for Seattle as a 19 year old. And that's exactly what he's done. And and you know, by all by all evidence, you know, he's done enough now to show. Tab Ramos that he's really come along and he's really someone that he has to bring in bring along and probably start in the under twenty World Cup and, and it just shows you how far along he's come. And obviously Jose Villarreal, we all know he's kind of the star of this team. He's the prodigy. Uh he, he's a guy you you know, he's not gonna play in this Toulon tournament, but <clears throat> he is gonna be absolutely a key figure uh for the US team.
0: Well I mean like for this tournament, I mean who do you see stepping up in this? I mean Mikey Lopez, Beji Hoya, Cuevas. I mean I, I love Cuevas the way he plays. I mean, is there anyone on here that you look at that that is gonna you know be maybe scoring the most goals or providing you know for us to you know maybe turn our heads and go whoa 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 that's someone we should start paying more attention to. Well,
1: I'll tell you one player that people definitely should keep an eye on is uh, Alonzo Hernandez, uh, a name that is is you know for some people they're gonna be like who's this guy like I've never heard the name before. He's someone who's coming to the picture a little bit because he plays for Monterrey in Mexico, and we're talking about a 19 year old forward, American born forward. Who has done enough and played well enough and impressed enough to get some minutes for a really good team in Mexico in Monterrey? So he's he's impressed to the point now where Ty Ramos is is, is taking a look, has talked to him, and and, and you know he's made it clear. Uh, you know Hernandez has made it clear that yeah, you know he wants to play for the U.S. and and, and here he is now. He's been brought in and he has a go- he has a real golden opportunity now mm-hmm. to earn himself a spot on the U.S. World Cup team, uh, playing as a forward. You know whether it's as you know, if you if you're talking about someone who can play as a target in the four-three-three, where you know Mario Rodriguez is featured there, you've seen you've seen even Jose Villarreal playing as kind of a false nine there. Uh, That 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 is absolutely a player that you know we haven't seen before with the U.S. under-20s, and who could really just emerge as a surprise option for the World Cup.
0: It's it's right. I mean, there's there's a story out there on Alonzo, how uh, Hernandez about how I mean, back a couple months ago, he didn't even think he was gonna get called up, but some stellar performance by him earns that call up. So, the U twenty team, it's gonna be exciting. Like I said, the first game is going to be tomorrow, or I guess today for actually, Tuesday, today. Just say Tuesday, yeah, Tuesday, um, at one thirty, and then against France, then Colombia, uh, uh they play Congo. Uh, uh, Democratic Republic, then Korea, uh, so uh, check out the schedule, watch all those games. Ivis, uh, that's a lot of uh, U.S. men's national team talk. We need to now switch over to MLS. We didn't have a show last Thursday because uh, you and I, our schedules didn't match up, uh, but the <laughs> 20th franchise has been announced. How excited are you? Well, I'll tell you what, we picked like the absolute worst time. I know. We to try- take, a, take, take some time off
1: from, from the show because some of the biggest you know news items of the year Popped off. Hey, I was, we... I was ready to do the show. Ah, we're not even going to go there. We're not going to talk about who, who couldn't do the show. That was but anyway. you. That
0: was you. I could throw you under the bus oh, right now. Oh, oh I, I, I have I the emails. I have the evidence. Oh, please. Anyway, please. That's right.
1: That's right. But listen, this is absolutely huge news. Uh, it, it's just interesting that, you know, for the past few months, there was so much momentum behind Orlando as an option, and and, and they really, really were pushing. And then obviously they had the stadium referendum that, that didn't even get voted on. That 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 struck a blow for Orlando, but honestly, you know that really isn't what why New York City FC became the 20th team. New York City was always going to be Team 20 if an owner emerged and could step up and show the league that they are ready to be serious about it. And and this, I tell you what, man, this group, this ownership group, you want to talk about a dream group when you're from you're talking about the the strength of of a Premier League club. The deep pockets of, of the, you know, of Sheikh Mansour, and then the affiliation with the New York Yankees, who gives who give them that instant cachet in that market in New York. <laughs> I mean, it's a, you know, it's a bad pun, but it's an absolute home run for MLS uh, to to get to get that ownership group together, that that package
0: mm-hmm.
1: for Team Twenty, and and then and then to make it even better, they go and hire Claudio Reyna, who for me, I think that was an absolute master stroke. You're talking about a guy, obviously former U.S. Uh, captain, played in Europe, respected player in Europe, played at Manchester City. So he, he just ties it all together. He's from the New York area. He's from Jersey, folks, not New York. He's from Jersey, but it's still the New York area. Uh, you know, he he knows that area. He knows uh, MLS. He knows Europe. I mean, it, it, you know, it, it, things are really, really looking up for that group. And you and you can't help be but be excited to see what they're going to do there with the you know with the money they have the backing they have, with the connections they have with the Yankees and and, and it, obviously the work's not done yet they still have to a lot find themselves a stadium, a place to play they they even temporarily they need to find a place to play and I think Yankee Stadium could be that place but I tell you what man 2015 there is going to be a team playing in New York somewhere and that is absolutely exciting
0: that's what I was going to say I mean as much as everything's all you know, happy and pat each other on the back. There's still a lot of work to do on, on where they're going to play. I mean, the first test I guess was this weekend playing in the Yankee stadium, but if over an extended period of time in a, in a baseball stadium, I don't know, man, I, I just, it seems very difficult to me.
1: Listen, they're going to find somewhere to play. They're going to make it happen.
0: And you know, it's going to take them some time
1: to figure out a long-term permanent solution. Mm-hmm. They have to find a place to play. They have to find a place to build a stadium. They are committed to building a stadium, and when when you have an owner that has the deep pockets and that has the commitment to building a, a stadium that a, a project that size, we're talking, you know, the word that you know the numbers you're hearing, you know, three hundred and fifty million dollar stadium project, they're going to get it done. It's it, it's going to happen. It, you know, for the longest time now, you've had MLS uh, trying to push that along try to put push the idea of that kind of project along. Uh and, and you have you can't underestimate how much better it is to have an actual ownership group, to have actual people, you know, people that, that that can can do that that heavy lifting of, of getting that project uh to become a reality. Now you have that. Now you have an ownership group. Now you have the Yankees as part of that. Uh, they're going to get it done. They're going to get it done and, and and at this point it's not a, it's not about a will it happen? It's already it's mm. going to happen. You know, the question now is, once it does happen, are they going to be able to succeed? Are they going to be able to uh, make the right hires, make the right decisions, put together a winning team, and put together a team that draws people, that that fills the stadium, that brings people out? Uh, And personally, I think it's going to be great. I think it's going to be a big hit. As much as people outside of the New York region just don't get it, the reality of the matter is, New York City, when you're talking about the five boroughs, when you're talking about Bronx, Brooklyn... Queens, that is a different planet from New Jersey. It absolutely is, and I know people just don't. You know, they look at them. I've said it. I don't know how many times in this show, but people just can't look at it. They, you know, if you look at it on the map, you think, man, that's all close together. It's all there's no point having two teams there. I'm telling you, folks, there absolutely is. There are so many people who are in Queens, Brooklyn, uh, Harlem, uh, you know, all those areas that just never were going to come to New Jersey. That just never. Bought in. I mean, obviously, there's some people, but just from you know, there are so many soccer fans out there in those areas that if you put a team out in there, whether it's Manhattan, whether it's you know, the Bronx, whether it's Queens, that's going to just be so much a better location for them to take full advantage of all the soccer fans that are in that area. And that's why I think it's going to be a big hit.
0: I was fired up, I love it.
1: Yeah, I tell you, man, I've been saying it for I don't know how long now. That this it's going to happen. It has to happen. And if you get the right group in there, yeah. they they it, it will work. Oh. And and you know I'm not ready to say that you know this Manchester City group, it, it, you know can do no wrong or Claudia Arena can do no wrong. But you know you you look at the people that are behind this now.
0: Um, yeah, on paper it looks good.
1: On paper it looks good, man. You talk you know the Manchester man- Manchester City, uh, you know the 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 brains behind the soccer part of things. When you're talking about Ferran Soriano and Tiki Beguerstan, who, you know, are came over from FC Barcelona, you know, Man City, you know, their first step, their owner, and listen, their owners have, you know, they have money. They have the, the, the richest guys, some of the richest people in on the planet. Mm-hmm. They went out and they said, Who can we get to run our, our team in, in England? They went and got they went and grabbed the guys from Barcelona, right? Now those guys are in charge of helping uh, build this team in, in, in New York. And they've gotten a guy in Claudia Reyna, who I think is an absolute great hire, and now it's up to Arena now to pick a head coach and figure out who he's going to help, who's going to run that project. And, and I tell you, once they get all that settled, you know how 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 tough do people really think it's going to be to convince European players to come play in New York City? You know what
0: I mean? Like, well, especially it, it's, for uh, especially for you know a Manchester City based team with the New York Yankees. Exa- you know? Exactly. I mean, it, exactly. It's, it's, I mean I'm you sure know what? If, if take... the
1: Red Bulls can get a you know get, you know, talk about someone like Terry Henry. Uh, you know yeah. who knows who NYC FC well, is going to be able to bring in 2015
0: and i think the other thing too is is it, most european players they might not understand what baseball is but they understand what the new york yankees are and once they right. learn that oh hey they're they're part of that to me it looks good however the, my biggest my biggest concern is uh what's their home kit are are they manchester city home and new york yankees pinstripes away and the third kit is a combination <laughs> Uh, that's your biggest concern, really. That's your biggest concern. <laughs> not really, not really. But I, Listen, I, was, so I was just so thinking the biggest about that. concern,
1: and, and you know, we definitely have to address it. And it's it, it, a lot of people are are wondering about it and questioning it, and are concerned about it. The biggest concern about the whole deal is, what does this mean for the Red Bulls? It, 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 are the Red Bulls now doomed? To fail. And and I know, a lot, and, and it was interesting, the reaction, and, and it didn't even just come from people outside of the area. It even came from Red Bulls fans, which was a little shocking to me, some Red Bulls fans. There were some Red Bulls fans who were clearly nervous and they're clearly worried, and they think, oh great, we're about to become the unwanted stepchild, because NYCFC is the league's baby, now they come in with all these deep pockets mm-hmm. in New York City, and all of a sudden we've, we're becoming the New Jersey stepchild. And you know what? I think I they think, I really don't I think that some people are <laughs> reacting. I think some people uh, are looking at this and thinking uh the the Red Bulls are doomed. And you know what? They're not doomed. What it does mean is now the and the fact of the matter is this ownership group, the Red Bulls ownership group. We're talking about Red Bull in Salzburg, the people that make the silver cans and have all the money and bought the team back in, you know, 0506. They have spent, what is it now, uh, seven years owning this team, seven years, most of which were wasted from a business standpoint, really putting their stamp on this area, on the New York, New Jersey area, really taking hold of things and and trying to improve on the the mistakes of the the years of the MetroStars. And they really didn't get it done. And now the pressure is absolutely on because the clock is ticking. 2015... We'll be here before you know it. So now, the, now you're talking uh, – the owners of, of the Red Bulls have to know we can't mess around anymore. We have got to stake our claim to as many fans as we can. Uh, we have to stake our claim in New Jersey and, and, and rekindle the connections that used to actually fill Giant Stadium in the early years in the, of the Metrostars. Stars. Uh, they just have to do a better job. The fact of the matter is they have not done a good enough job from a business standpoint. And now – now that now it's really going to hurt them mm-hmm. because if they don't get their act together from a business standpoint, they're going to get eaten alive by New York City FC. Um, and you know what? Right now, the Red Bulls are a good team. They're a really good team. They're you know they're they're in first place in the East, uh, and, and they're playing well. And I mean, even though they only got a draw against Columbus this weekend, uh, so there, there, there's reason for po- there's for positive vibes around the team. But the pressure is on, and they know it. They know it, man. I talked to Mike Pecky uh just a few days ago and he he he's ready like he could tell like, he knows he knows they're coming he knows that team in whether it's baby blue or stripes or whatever it is he knows that team is coming yeah. and that team is going to be a problem in that market and the red bulls are going to have to step their game up on and off the field but especially in the business side because new york city fc is not going to play around they're going to have deep pockets and they're going to have they're going to be. If they're if the rebels aren't careful, NYCFC is absolutely going to bully them.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's it's crazy. I mean, the, the team will start play in two years from now, but a year and a half they'll be gearing up for the uh, MLS draft and stuff like that. A year and a half, spooky when you think about that, Ivis. Um, lots of news. Let's stay with MLS. Lots of news. Some big trades this week. Robbie Rogers for Mike McGee. What's your assessment of that trade? I. I I think it's uh, McGee. I mean, Rodgers is going to have to live up to, to what McGee was able to do for the Galaxy. But uh, I think for both teams, it'll work out for both teams in the long run, though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can't look at this trade and just see it as an A
1: for B swap that was made for the sake of, of changing players. Obviously, there were extenuating circumstances all over this trade. I was, Robbie Rodgers wanted to play in L.A., mm-hmm. right? That's been known for a while now. They, the Galaxy have been talks, in talks with the Fire for quite some time now. The Fire made it known early on in the conversation that they wanted Mike McGee. Now, you're Mike McGee, right? You've been in the league since you are 18 years old. Uh, you've put your decade in this league. You're a Chicago boy. Even before you became a pro, you're playing in in Bradenton in, down in the academy. So you've been away from home for more than a decade of your life. Mm-hmm. And now you see an opportunity to come home, to, to, to play in your home city. And he saw that opportunity and, and, and he, he basically let it be known that he's up for that. He wants to make it happen. He sees it as a perfect opportunity. Let's make it happen. And if not for that, this trade never happens. And I know it's. It, – tell you what. what's interesting. The most interesting thing about this trade is the amount of conspiracy theorists that have come out of the woodwork. Oh, you, come on. You knew that was going to happen. I, I've never seen that, though. No, I'm sorry. I've never seen that for an MLS trade. People going as far as to say, Bruce Arena was forced into this trade. <laughs> MLS made it happen because they absolutely want Robbie Rogers in L.A. Listen, man. No one is going to make Bruce Arena do what he doesn't want to do. And if they did or if they tried, he would let everybody know that. Bruce Arena is not a guy who's going to, you know, all just, you know, stand idly by and let other people run his team. That's just not reality. The fact of the matter is they had to give something up to get Robbie Rogers, and they tried very hard to give up less – then they gave up they 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 you know they started very small trust me that from what i know and my I, I trust my sources to the nth degree the, the galaxy you know they wanted just we're talking you know whether it was draft pick allocation money michael stevens at one point was on the table they did not offer mike McGee. The fire wanted Mike McGee, and the fire were in, you know, they were in the prime position because they did not have to trade Robbie Rogers' rights. They wanted Robbie Rogers, they, they, you know, they they justifiably could make a point, make an argument that, you know what, hey, Robbie Rogers could help us too. Why should Mm -hmm. we give away his rights? And that they made a compelling argument, and MLS wasn't going to just, you know, force them to trade him. So then all of a sudden, you had to get both sides at the table, and the galaxy realistically had to look at things and say, you know what, if we want Robbie Rogers, if we want a young 25-, 26-year-old player who has been with the national team, who has been an MLS Cup winner, who is a winger, uh, is something we don't have, uh, and also obviously everything that, that comes with him being an openly gay player, the first uh, you know, openly gay uh, pro athlete in American team sports, male, in you know, ever, although some, you know, there's questions now about a, about a baseball player uh, 50 years ago who was openly gay. Uh, but not it. It wasn't reported. But anyway, everything that comes with that, the marketing side of things, you know, the Galaxy had to look at that and they had to weigh it. And honestly, from that standpoint, when you talk about Mike McGee wanting to come home, mm-hmm. um, and the and the Galaxy getting a com- a valuable commodity, it's it's not as unfair a trade as as people want to make it out to be. Oh. It absolutely isn't. Is Mike McGee better player than Robbie Rogers right now? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. No one is saying he's not. No one is saying he's not. He's a better player. But you can also say, hey, he's an older player. He's a player who's been in the league a lot longer. He's a player who has a lot of miles on, on those legs. He's a player who has dealt, dealt with uh, some injury issues more now than before. Robbie Rogers is a younger player. He's a player that gives unique options to this team. He's a true winger. Something the Galaxy really haven't had in a long time. Landon Donovan's played on the wing and he's given you options there and McGee has, but they're not really pure wingers. Now you have a player like Robbie Rogers we can put you can put on that right wing. He can he can give you speed and service on the right wing. And and trading Mike McGee opens the door for guys like Jose Villarreal. Exactly. G artists, uh, young players who, who have the i tell you what, they have the look of being real goal scoring threats. And they're going to be all right. I mean, people act, people acting like, uh, you know, government mandated tearing down <laughs> of the LA Galaxy, and that is ridiculous, folks. It, it was hilarious to me. I mean, the panic mode that the Galaxy fans were in w- w- was pretty funny to me because they were acting like the entire team was getting fleeced because of well, one veteran I mean, player. And you know what? Hey, I, understand, under, I understand. It's understandable. They, I know Mike Mickey is a beloved player. He's he's earned that. I mean, he has absolutely come up huge. In the in some of the biggest games in the history of, of the galaxy, especially in the recent years, so I get that, I understand that. But but at anyone trying to act like Bruce Arena, either A is being forced into doing something he doesn't want to, or B making a deal, uh, you know, because and, and saying he doesn't know what he's doing. Listen, folks, look at the track record. Bruce Arena, generally speaking, gets the better end of trades by a wide margin. And I think if anything, that was the shocking part of this trade. The fact that it, you know, usually when Bruce Arena is making a trade and the galaxy are making a trade, they're fleecing somebody. This time it was actually because it wasn't that way, it was almost like people are like, What what's going on here? Is Bruce Arena actually not, not stealing away somebody or not absolutely fleecing some team? Mm-hmm. So listen, folks, I, I know it's gonna take some people some time to, to understand this trade, but the galaxy are gonna be okay. They absolutely are. Anyone, anyone who had questions about that obviously missed Sunday night when they destroyed the Seattle. The Seattle, uh, you know, Sounders. Sounders. They, de- they destroyed them. I, di- I, di- I didn't want to put, put a bad, the You know, the Seattle demolished. They they destroyed the Sounders. Uh, you know what I mean? And that's without Rob- And that's with Robbie Rogers not even being fit yet. They destroyed. Mm-hmm. So the Galaxy are going to be all right. And I tell you what, man, Chicago Fire. If you're a Fire fan now. If the trades that they made this past week don't have you feeling a little better, then you need to, then you need to get your, your pulse checked because as bad as the, season, the start of the season has been for them, uh, things are absolutely looking up because they got themselves a goal scorer, which is what they needed, in Mike McGee, mm-hmm. and they got themselves a veteran center back in Bakari Sumari, who for me, I think is going to be an absolute beast for them.
0: Well, I, real quickly on the McGee thing. I mean, you literally stole everything I was going to say. I mean, for the Galaxy, now it's a chance for them to to play some of the younger guys. I mean, the depth on the Galaxy is just—it's so spooky how good they are this year with the depth that they have. And then also for Mike McGee, I mean, his stock is the highest. It's probably going to be six goals this season. That's a career high for him. I mean, how high can the can the McGee ceiling really get after this? He's a well, great that's player. The thing, comes man. up it's big. A, you know, for anyone who's read stock is high. Stock is high on him right now. Right.
1: For anyone who's read socceronomics one of the keys to being a shrewd, to to being a uh, being a, a wise manager of a roster, is knowing when to tell how. And his age, uh, you know how much like what what's how much better is he going to get? You know what I mean? Like what's scored, the this is,
0: there? His, this is his, uh, I'm sorry, he scored seven goals in 2003 for the Metro Stars. But when you look at it, I mean, since then, this is the highest total he's had since then. Ten right, years no, later, he's at You're the right. peak as far as yeah.
1: values goes, but he's also having some injury issues. And I'd say, and what's interesting, Michael Stevens, after that trade, he comes out this weekend against Seattle and plays, you know, what might have been the best game of his career. So that's a whole not- that's a whole other thing that people hadn't even thought about. Yeah. in this whole conversation, was hey, maybe Michael Stevens steps up now. Maybe he becomes uh, the next player in that assembly line that that you know, Bruce Serena, you know, he 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 has a way of developing talent and what's it and it's interesting, you know, when you think about DeMarcus Beasley, we're talking about him in his hundredth cap, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Bruce Arena obviously brought him in uh, to the national team and helped, helped him along in that process. Like he, I'd say, you, you know, he's got that, he's got that way of working with younger players. Uh, the galaxy going to be all right in Chicago, man, Chicago, uh, if it, they, they still have to make a few moves, mm-hmm. but it, you, I, I'm looking forward to seeing them play with both sumari and McGee in that lineup
0: yeah they uh, they got uh, him from the union in exchange for a second round pick uh, in the 2014 drive, and the union are also picking up a portion of a salary for this year and next year, so uh I think that's a pretty good trade for the fire right there
1: right I mean it what's it's funny because uh you know the the reaction in Philly to the trade was was, was pretty uh, <laughs> everyone, predictable, well, everyone yeah everyone hated because, it hated you
0: know, it was that everyone hated it. Right. Well, the thing is,
1: I mean, he, he's not starting, folks. He's not starting. And, and, and here's my thing, right? If, if I'm the coach of a team that has Bakari Samari, Moby Kugo, and Jeff Park on it, I find a way to get those three guys on the field together. I don't care because Bakari Samari is too good a player to leave on the bench. That's my opinion. Obviously, John Hackworth felt differently. John, Hack- John Hackworth wanted to stick with Moby Kugo and Jeff Park. And he left Sumari on the bench. And Sumari was not happy about that, and he wanted to get traded. The fact of the matter is you can't have a player like Sumari. You can't have a player that's making $380,000 or whatever his cap number is for this year. You can't afford to have a player paid that much on your bench. So they had to trade him. And not only is he making three eighty dollars this year, he's making even more next year. We're talking about Max, not from what my, my sources tell me. He's due next year to make even more. We're talking max money, in the 400k range uh, in twenty in 2014. So the union had to make a deal. They had to get them off their books, and and as the deal might not make sense to union fans now, but the fact of the matter is, they they cleared a, a pretty good chunk of money off their books this yes. year, and an even bigger chunk next year. And and, and I know uh, people look at it and say, well, why the heck are we paying a part of his salary? and the, and the fact is that's the only way you you could make the deal happen you know what i mean like it, it you know if you it doesn't it, the, they had to clean up their mess the, the that the contract they signed him to obviously is a terrible contract for them for for but they're still cleaning up the the mess uh from the peter novak era i mean this is a contract uh the, the bakari Samari deal was absolutely a Peter Novak deal. And again, I'm not saying it was a bad deal, but it's just a deal that's not working now for the, the group that's there now. We're talking about John Hackworth and the plan that he has in place. They don't see him as a starter for them. They got to move him. They got to get him out. So the fire the fire make out like bandits, you know, because they, Arn Friedrich looks like he's done. I know the, I know the fire haven't announced yet, uh, but everything that I've heard talking to my, my sources around the league and in Chicago specifically, is that Friedrich's done. Arnold Friedrich is, is not going to play again for the fire. They're still working out the details on it. Uh, whether it's a buyout, whether it's a retirement, um, I, ju- I don't think he's going to play again. Uh, from everything I've heard uh, because of injury issues at his age, um, if you don't have Arnold Friedrich, you have to go get yourself a veteran a center back because you know it, as much as the Jaleel Anibaba – Austin Berry partnership, you know, had, you know, had its moments. It's, you know, neither one of those guys is a veteran leader. They're both young. They're, as much as they both have talent, you needed a veteran there. And now Sumari's in there. And what do you know? You know, his first game there, they play Salt Lake, and he had a good, he had a really good game. And he's only going to get better. You know, we're talking about a guy who's missed quite a bit of time with a knee injury. Once he gets healthy, and he's getting there. I mean, he's he's already he's pretty much all the way back. But I mean, we're talking about about a guy who once was a defender of the year finalist and he can get back to that level.
0: Oh, well, Ivys, let's uh let's look at the weekend that was MLS. Uh we talked about it just a couple minutes ago. LA Galaxy beating down the Seattle Sounders four to zero. Robbie Keane with the hat trick. He must have saw the score one and he wanted one himself. Um and then Robbie Rogers playing in that game. I I think the best part of that game for me. Was when he walked on, was when he when he ran out for the first time, and like the smile that he had on his face was, was awesome. It was it was so cool. Uh, but for Seattle, though, um, some work to do in the midfield. Shalrie Joseph looked a little slow, and they really need Alonzo back. His presence in the midfield was was you know missed big time in this game. Oh, without a doubt. And and here's the
1: thing, right? Alonso's one of the best players in the league, yep. um, and one of the best, clearly one of the best midfielders in the league. So it's tough enough. To to make up for his loss, you know, when he's not there, it's tough enough. But then when you have as complete, uh, as completely flat a team performance as they had from top to bottom, I mean, it's not going to be pretty. And that's exactly what you saw. The Galaxy ran ragged. They had no answers. The Galaxy passed it around them like they were asleep. And it was ugly. And you know, it was it was it, the, what was so shocking about it is the fact that Seattle had been so good in recent weeks. They had really turned it on. We're talking about a team that had scored what eight goals in their last two games, and they looked completely lost against LA. They, that first half, Seattle's first half against LA, had to be one of the wor- you know one of the worst halves I can remember, and especially from a good team like one of the worst halves. Had, probably that L, that Seattle's ever played. Um so you know you, you give the galaxy credit cuz they they've been struggling too. You know they had lost three out of the last four. Uh the, the road trip really put uh, you know did a number on them but they they looked great. The Galaxy mm-hmm. they just put it together. Michael Stevens as I said was great. Juninho's Juninho was doing what he does and Robbie Keane was the maestro, you know, he just orchestrated it all. He wasn't our player of the week for SBI though. I'd like to state Marco DeVaio for me still was. The class of the weekend with his hat trick, um, no PKs for him. Um, but Robbie Keane just showed why he can absolutely be the most dangerous player in the league when he's when he's on his game. Um, and Robbie Rogers, you know, yeah, I mean, I got to tell you, man, that that was, you know, it, it was priceless. Just the look yeah. on his face and people. That's what gets me a bit now. is hearing people, some of the people who criticize the trade, and they talk about Robbie Rogers and they say he's not even any good. He struggled in England. He was, you know, he didn't, he, whatever happened at Leeds, you know, he didn't get anything going on there. Then he went to Stevenage, of all places, and just didn't do anything there. How good could he be? And people just totally ignore the fact that we have a guy who was dealing with so much uh, from an emotional standpoint, so much. Baggage, uh, and, and you—you know—from hiding the fact that he's gay and being in the closet, and everything that 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 comes with that. Like people need to realize that now we're talking about a guy who has taken such a big weight off his shoulders, and 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 that smile on his face, yeah. the look on his face showed that showed a guy who realizes now that he can live, he can live his life open and free. He can li- he can do what he wants to do. Play the game he loves, and, and and not have to worry anymore, not have to hide anymore, not have to lie anymore. And that and, and people and, and people it, you can't underestimate what that could do for him and, and what that could mean for him as a, as as a player, as an athlete. Because I mean that's got to eat you up when, when you can't just be yourself when you have to hide from from everybody. And 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 that's why for me I'm excited to see him now get in shape, get fit. And, and play in that system, play on that Galaxy team, and give them the uh, that unique element that they didn't have that that true winger on the right. And that's why I, I'm a little more bullish on this trade than a, than pretty much it sounds like most people in LA. I think I think it's going to work out really well.
0: Well, like we said, I mean, you can understand why people would be upset with McGee. I mean, he's a cold hero, comes up big for them, working guy, works hard. I mean, obviously, that people are going to be upset with it. But however, though, people are. And they start getting very excited, and you called this one uh Zardis up top. How good does he look? Hey man, I've been saying it. I mean it. Dude, long the I, speed, I've been this the forever. speed, the strength. Oh my gosh, he looks good out there. Uh, to, hey man, listen, there's a
1: reason he was my rookie of the year pick, and I know he started late because of his foot injury that kept wait, him out the wait, beginning wait. of the year. Wait,
0: you had I thought you had Dylan Powers as your rookie of the year pick.
1: Oh, oh, buddy. Oh. Check the check the records. We, gotta, man. we gotta check that the Jassy's artist was my rookie of the year pick. Now he's gotten later. He might, you know, he still has a lot of competition for minutes there. But when it's all said and done, when we're talking about three, four years from now, and we're looking back on this class, this rookie class, he is going to be the guy you talk about because the guy is—he's got his—he's special. He's got—I mean, his size, his speed. Uh, I mean, he—he's such a threat, and—and—and and, and that's the the scary part is that he's still. Figuring it out, you know, he's a rookie. You know, he's he he he's coming from CSU Bakersfield and playing at at not the highest level from a college standpoint. Mm-hmm. And now he's in a now he's an MLS, he's in LA, he's playing on such a talented and stacked team, he's playing at such a higher level now that he still has this adjustment period. But you see the raw qualities, the raw ability that he has. And you know Bruce Arena is gonna work with him and get the most out of him and and, and training every day against guys like Homer Gonzalez and with guys like Robbie Keane and Landon Donovan. I mean, the sky's the limit for a kid like that. And when you think about and that's the thing, like oh, and, and I said this on Twitter. It was like for all the cry, all the <clears throat> all the you know the sky is falling reactions about the McGee trade. And it's like at the end of the day, nobody's gonna feel sorry for the galaxy when they have Jesse's artist and oh, Jose no. Villarreal coming up the pipeline Two of the most absolutely, absolutely most talented young players in the league, Jack, uh, young, Jack, young prospects. Jack McBean, too, and other young guys performing well. Jack McBean, well, Oscar Sorto, someone gosh. else who might be part of the U.S. under-20 team. They are stacked with young talent coming up the pipeline. They're going to be all right. And, yeah, like you said, Zardes, he, you know, he showed against the Sounders, man. He, he he was a handful for them. And as he gets better, as he gets gains experience, gains confidence, he's going to – I tell you what, man, when we're talking about the second half of the season this year – Book it. The second half of this season, he is going to be the top rookie in
0: the league. And uh, for Seattle, they really need Alonzo back. Also, uh, Johnson and Ovafay Martins need to come back a little bit. A little too high in that game. That really uh, made Shari Joseph have to work a little too tough in that game. Um, New York versus Columbus, a game that had, you know, come on, it's New York. Controversy. And then, of course, I mean, New York is becoming the San Jose Earthquakes of this year, scoring another... Lakel, Alave had just a beautiful touch and a strike in the back of the net. And uh, w- weird game for New York, just kind of a weird game in general. But they salvage a point and they remain on top of the East.
1: Well, listen, man. I, they, it, it, honestly, it was one of their worst performances in a while, especially the first half. I mean, they they just looked flat. And you know what? All credit to the Columbus crew, right? They came in, they were shorthanded. They they didn't have Jairo Arrieta. they didn't have Chad Marshall, but they absolutely. Took it to the Red Bulls, um, scoring right off the bat, second minute, Dominic Aduro. And even after Aduro got hurt and had to come out, they kept the pressure on. They pushed the Red Bulls, and the Red Bulls were flat. They were the Red Bulls absolutely came out flat. And whether it was them underestimating the crew, or feeling you know, or feeling the com, you know overconfidence from their recent unbeaten streak, mm. whatever it was, they looked awful those first thirty, 30 35 minutes, and the crew. Took
0: full advantage of that. Crew missing and, a lot of players, too, in that game. What's that? Crew missing a lot of oh, players yeah, in Oh, right, yeah, absolutely. Marsh, Ariano, so, Duro. You know,
1: the, the Red Bulls eventually woke up and started to flash some of the quality that you expect from them. But from a 90-minute standpoint, it, it just wasn't good enough for them, especially against a crew team that looked inspired, man. They, they really, you could tell they were motivated and they felt that they could get something out of that game. And, and you know what? That, the, the call, the penalty call was controversial. And in my personal opinion, I did not think that was a PK. I thought, you know, the referee absolutely – I thought he blew that. I know some people think, oh, you know, there was contact. There was a foul. It, it doesn't matter if – you know, he had already shot the ball and missed on the initial shot. In my personal opinion, I thought it was a blown call. But at the end of the day, it was still a fair result. You know, they they a tie was a fair result because well, – yeah. You know, the crew played well enough to get a point out of that game, and the Red Bulls, you know, they, they well. showed enough flashes, and they almost win the game at the end. They have a breakaway. They have a, you know, whatever it was, six on three, five on two, whatever it was, and they blow it at the end. They had a chance to win that game. But Hamas and, and Olave. Oh, yeah. I mean, this guy. I mean, okay. It's enough that he's an absolute freak of nature from a physical standpoint, right, that, you know, he, he looks like a Greek statue, but he also can just run you down like you're standing still speed wise. yeah, but then he takes then he takes the touch of a of an all star forward and well, absolutely destroys the sh- the ball with a left footed blast. We're talking a stoppage time equalizer from a center back with a brilliant touch to set himself up well, i mean he, that, he, that for me that is what i mean know uh, I know up for the there goal. were other goals this week that that people considered goal of the week candidates, but for me. From a skill standpoint and an important standpoint, that was the best goal in MLS this weekend.
0: Well, he made up for the Duro mistake that he had when he headed it back into the middle of the field. Right. I mean, he had he, he And, hasn't and he, had almost, a and he almost had another one. Higuain almost scored on another misplaced by, ball by well, him.
1: That, well, that's the thing. I mean, Olave, you know what? He is not a perfect defender by any means, but when he is clicking, when he is on, he, he is the most dominant defender in the league. Point blank. And and, uh, and he's adding the goal scoring now. I mean, we're talking four goals now from a center back. I mean, there's for, there's forwards in the league right now who would love to have four
0: goals. Uh, and the crew are kind of going through a, a, a whole, like, a, a, a midseason revamp with their team right now. I'm, I'm curious to see what this team's going to – how they're going to emerge out of this. Cause a lot of guys getting played for the first time. Um, a lot of guys having to start because of injuries or suspensions. Um, but the crew, uh, depending on what happens right here, this is going to make or break their season over the next couple games with, with these uh, different lineups and players and stuff like that, with the changes they're making. Yeah, you know, I don't know, man. I it... I, I, I don't know if I'm high on it, but I'm saying, though, that, that this is, they, they're... they're trying to do something, and this is either going to really make it or it's just going to...
1: I don't know. I'll tell you what. They are pretty much what I thought they'd be before the season. I thought they would be on the fringes of that fifth spot in the East. Like, they they could be in that conversation. Uh, but they're, they're, that's just what they are. They're kind of in that middle of the pack. Uh, obviously Higuain, when he's on, can be a special player. Arietta has shown he can score. Um, but I don't know. I feel like there's something not quite.
0: Well, you to be. It hopeful with the play of uh, Schoenfeld when he came in. I mean, he held up the ball a little bit more. I mean, maybe they can get, find a way to get him in there to hold the ball. No, man. They need more than that. I, they I, need. Okay. I feel like they
1: still need. They still need something. For I mean, I'm high I gotta say, Matias Sanchez, you know, Argentine player. I thought he would be a little bit more of a of an impact player for them, and he just really, yeah, you know, he's been, eh, he's been all right. And I, I don't know. I, I feel like they still need something, whether it's another DP. They, I, I feel like as as constituted, even when they're healthy, I, I just don't think they're as good as the top four, or five teams. Definitely not for me. And it's, when you talk about the top four in these, you got K, you got in no particular order, we got Casey, Houston, Montreal, New York. That is the top four. That is the elite. That's the varsity. In the Eastern Conference and then after that there's a I, I mean I, there is a bit there is a significant drop off the Philadelphia Union obviously uh, are staking their claim to be that playoff team and then you got the and you got Columbus Columbus is, is, is there as well so uh,
0: New England uh, too New England's in that conversation New England
1: has forced their way in they, they've put together a pretty strong run and now they have joined absolutely they've joined that second tier and that one I tell you what that Juan Agadello trade uh, Jay Heaps is better send a thank you card to Chivas USA uh, for that absolute robbery uh, of a deal <laughs> that you know Chivas USA handing New England just the kind of player they needed. And uh, and now they're clicking. I mean, Diego Fagundes oh, is, is playing well. Three goals uh, in three Lee, games. Lee Wynn is starting to turn it on. Uh, you know, Sire Sen coming along. Uh, Bankston's still, you know, Jerry Bankston still struggling a bit. Still <laughs> not, you know. But which, are, are you, you know, surprised? if you're a New England fan, you hate it. But if you're, if you're a U.S. fan, you, you probably love it because you're talking about Honduras. Uh, him, him being such a key player for them. Obviously, he scored the the goal against the U.S. in San Pedro in February, uh, and the U.S. plays uh, Honduras again in in in, uh, in in Salt Lake City, and you and I will be there
0: uh, in, uh, oh, in a few weeks. Are we? Are yeah, we? You, am I really going?
1: I'm going. I booked my flight. I'm. I folks. I am on my way back to to Salt Lake City, and uh, I think everyone should should. Start the Twitter campaign now to
0: force Garrett Cleverly to drive. to I got, Salt Lake City. I got to talk to my bosses, man. I got. I got. I got. To, I, got, I, got <laughs> I got to talk to the to the bosses. All right, we'll figure it out. But, um, but again, okay. Well, okay. Well, no, no, you're right. we back quick. to New England. Yeah, New England's looking good right now. They're looking. They, they're putting really it together. Right
1: I wouldn't say they're ready to seriously challenge the the the, vars- the Eastern Conference. I don't care. Vars- I'm
0: calling it right now. They're 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 looking good.
1: Oh no! Oh yeah! You can't argue <laughs> that. They they you know they beat. <laughs> When they beat
0: Houston in, in Houston, I mean, that that, that was a little yeah. bit of a message sender. Well, they tied the Red you know. Bulls, beat Houston. I mean, those are two impressive results right there. And now beat Toronto. I mean, they're, they're putting together a nice <laughs> little. And, and before that, I mean, their last uh, six games, they, they've looked pretty. I mean, the results have been there for over the last six games. And and you're right. It's going to be interesting to see what happens well, with this. Listen,
1: season. getting A.J. Swartz back is, is, is obviously important for them. And, and Kevin Alston, again, you know, obviously everything he's dealing with. You don't want to rush him back. You want to make sure he's healthy and everything. But if he comes back and can play at a good level, I mean, that defense, man. I like, I like that defense. I mean, you know, they, they're, they're right there. So uh, they, they are in that second tier, and they're absolutely in that conversation for a playoff spot.
0: Uh, well, Ivis, uh, in a very exciting game over the weekend that uh, I think everyone had to do a double take on, Montreal 5-3 over the Philadelphia Union. Marco Devito gets the hat trick first uh, on the season for him, uh, and my, just if, if anyone watched the game, I've never seen just just poor defending and poor marking from both teams. It was just atrocious from both teams.
1: Oh, without a doubt. And and what was funny is,
0: and both well, teams funny. have both teams have prolific scores. You would think they would know to mark the score on the opposite <laughs> team? You think they would understand that?
1: Well, I tell you what, man. Marcus Devise, hes a tricky player. You know, he's—he's he's a smart player. He, his movement is so dangerous because he lulls just—he lulls you to sleep. You know, he kind of he, he kind of slithers around, and he's kind of—you know—he—he's he, so smooth about it. About picking his spots, putting himself in, and timing his runs so well. Catching—you know—catching you know, catching the opposing defenses uh, napping. And, and, and then taking advantage, pouncing. And, and what's interesting is if you, if you, I'm sure Philly, Philadelphia Union fans have to be freaking out because here, here's their team uh, who had put together such a good run of, of defensive results, uh, except for that L.A. game, obviously. Uh, and then having Baki Sumari play a role for them in two shutouts against Chicago, then they trade Sumari. And then all of a sudden they get destroyed by, five, you know, put up five, give five goals up to Montreal And all I'd say is people maybe shouldn't panic just yet because when it comes down to it, this team, this Philly team, is a young team. They're going to have these games. They're going to have good games and they're going to have absolute meltdown games. That just comes with it. When you have a young team still coming together, uh, You know, it's going to happen. Um, So I don't know if the panic button should get pressed just yet. But, uh, but it definitely, I mean, at the end of the day, is anyone surprised that Montreal is better than Philly? Well, is, is.
0: okay, Philadelphia did have chances in this game, though, and there was a stretch in the first half for about before DeVio went off where the Union really had an opportunity to kind of give it to Montreal, and they need to finish their chances. For the union, that, that's that's how I wrap it up. Everyone kind of well, right, right. On them? The oh, they I mean, had a like, bad thing? Yeah, game. like you said. I, I know, mean,
1: this pro- wasn't a five-nil.
0: Yeah, it wasn't a beatdown. The union
1: had embarrassment from that standpoint. Yeah. But it, I do think the concern is from Philly standpoint, from Philly fans, is you know here we are, we just traded a, a quality center back, and then we get smoked by five. Something is not right here. But and I don't think people should look at that, that. You know, obviously losing losing and giving up five is never a good thing. But. This team is going to have its 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 growing pains, and and I think it's still a work in progress. Kleberston is still working his way in into into fitness, and I, 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 you know what? I still say that for for where, for what they have to work with, I still think they've overachieved to this point in the season, and uh, and you want to see how they how they continue to develop. Uh, you know, when you talk about their their fullbacks being young and Kleberston getting back into shape, mm-hmm. uh, they they're still coming along.
0: Yeah, they, uh, I mean, they, and they're still trying to figure out what they're trying to do, too. I mean, i have seen people arguing for finding a way to get McInerney and Casey and Latou in there at the same time. So, I mean, the unions still have, you know, they still have, I guess, time to figure out what they're trying to do. But I, I still I, think they'll make the playoffs.
1: Well, it, it's not a given. What I would say is this. Right? When you talk about a year ago, when when Peter Novak was uh, oh, yeah. given the boot. When John Hackworth took over, he took over a team that had some huge contracts on the books, right? You're talking about Freddie Adu's big contract, big big contract for multiple year guaranteed big contract, multiple year guaranteed big contract for Baki Sumari. They, you know, they've managed now, and and I don't know if anyone, I don't. It's it's easy to kind of like lose sight of things and from kind of like a big picture look at things. But when you think about what they've been able to do now in these few months, they've been able to offload Freddie Adu. And, and they got themselves Cleverson for a year, a player who could, you know what, if he does well, if he likes it here, they could get him signed for less money. But they also got rid of you know, Freddie Adu's contract for 2014. They were able to deal Bakari Samari, someone who, you know, he wasn't really part of their plans, is on a huge contract for next year, right? They were able to move him they were able to go get sebastian Latou. they got him back someone who you know obviously union fans were were devastated to mm-hmm. see go so they've made themselves they've made some moves and, and and a trade i don't think we talked about i don't even remember now since it's, i feel like the last show was so long ago but they absolutely fleeced Chivas usa uh trading gabe farfan to Chivas usa oh, for a first round pick a first round pick for Chivas usa that could be you know one of the first picks in the draft.
0: Exactly.
1: I mean, in what's going to be a strong draft, mind you. I, I've I've said this. I said this from the point twenty that the twenty thirteen draft was over. That next year's draft is going to be even stronger, even deeper than this year's draft. So if you're the Philadelphia, you know it, it's. I know it's tough for Union you fans to look at anything more than the games because you're when you're a fan, you look at the games and that's what you care about. But from a big picture standpoint, for them to be able to move some of these huge contracts these unfavorable contracts off their books to bring back a player like that to all of a sudden uh, stack up some draft picks now going into what's going to be a strong draft. I'll tell you what, man, the future is is looking pretty good for that team. Um, And then you talk about a McInerney blossoming, a moby Kugo blossoming. Um, I I feel like the stage is set, I think next year – is he, he, the union are going to be a team to watch, man. The union, if if they still have things to do, they still have work to do. They're front office and John Ackford, they still have to make good on on what's there for them to do. But I think next year is going to be the real breakout year for the union. Uh,
0: and then FC Dallas defeated the San Jose Earthquake. San Jose Earthquake season's not going as well for them as, as they would have liked. Uh, but for FC Dallas, uh, they get the victory um, – Faria had an excellent run down the wing. Castillo's touch in the box, and then that nice little curl to the far post was, was beautiful. However, though, the real story in this game was the play over Arul Fernandez. And uh, I, I think, you know, there's, there's always, I think he's looked good this season. However, there's still some people that are saying, oh, well, he's not that good. But I think this is finally the game where people can say, you know, he's the real deal. And, and, and you know, putting him over Kevin Har- uh, over Hartman, excuse me, what was the best decision for the club.
1: It's an interesting one with him, man, because he's—I mean—he's an—he's obviously a real athletic goalkeeper, right? He's someone who—he's an instinctual player, and, and, and he, from a fundamental standpoint, he might—he might not be the most ideal goalkeeper. He's not someone that, if you're a goalkeeper coach, you're going to necessarily rave about his technique. But the guy makes some unbelievable saves, and, and he, he he does so well that when he's on, he can just he can just shut a team down, and I, I thought he did did really well there. Um, and FC Dallas, I mean, you know, Blas Perez obviously suspended and for them to, to still win uh, when you're talking about them st- uh, starting Walker Zimmerman, uh, a rookie. So for them to, to, to put that win together, I think it, it, it's for all the wins that they've had in this great start to their season. I think this one quietly, you know, w- was more impressive than a lot of the previous ones for that reason, for the fact that, you know, they were missing some key pieces. Uh, and San Jose, as, as you know, as much as their record is not what anyone would have expected, uh, they're still a tough team. They still definitely make things tough for you. And I thought the takeaway from this game was just the physicality oh, yeah. of the game. I mean, San Jose—we all know—they like to make games battles. They like to beat you up. They like to mess with your head. Stephen Lenhart and all—all all the play acting, all the tricks, and 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 everything uh, you know, everything in his bag of tricks, right? And then yeah, and then George John looked like he just made it his mission to abuse Lenhart. And, I mean, they went at it for the entire game. And it culminated with George John, uh, you know, catching him in the nose with an arm. Uh, I'm not going to say it was intentional. I know folks in San Jose insist it was. Uh, you know, they, they were both going up for a header in the area. George John's arm went up. And next thing you know, Stephen Lenhart's nose was bloodied. Uh, I don't know if he broke his nose, but he was definitely bloodied, and 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 I, you know I, I don't think there were a lot of people around MLS who were shedding tears over that fact.
0: Yeah, no, poor, but uh, poor Lenhart. But it was
1: a it was a physical battle, to say the least.
0: Yeah, poor Lenhart. I feel so bad for him right now.
1: Yeah, I'm, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't think anyone was sending him get ball cards uh, in MLS.
0: Yeah, I mean San Jose, they're just they're just a tough team. It's just they're they're just gonna play physical every single night, and uh, they're,
1: they're struggling. They're yeah, struggling. I know. They are struggling, and and early in the year, man, they they had the injuries. You know, they had all these injuries. So you kind of you kind of gave them the benefit of the doubt. You're like, you know what? They have too many injuries. You can't judge them. But I tell you what, man, they've had they've gotten people back. I know they've had suspensions up the Wazoo uh, between Lenhardt and Alan Gordon. Um, but it, they just, you know, I, I think it's just come to, to to pass that Everything last year, they got so many breaks last year. They had so many. They made their own. Look, sometimes obviously you got to give him credit for that for, for never stopping playing, but I think they've just they've just come down to earth and and they they need to go get better. They need to go make some additions. Hey, Simon Dawkins is available now. Obviously, Aston Villa let him go. This uh, they didn't bring bring him back. Uh, I think San Jose needs to go try to work it out with Tottenham or, or whatever and make it happen. I they need I think they need to get him back.
0: Yeah, San Jose needs to figure something out faster. They're going to be in the outside looking in on the, uh, in the uh, Western Conference right there, especially with the play of Colorado uh, now seriously challenging, p- putting up a threat that they could be a potential playoff team. Is it going to happen? Probably not, but you have to be very imp- impressed with what Colorado is doing this season, Ivis. Oh, without
1: a doubt, man. I said it. Uh, they're ahead of schedule. I mean, I, I was saying bef- after the draft, uh, I said, you know what? This team with all this young talent, they're a team that come 2014 uh, could really, really blow up, really, really just become a force. And all the injuries that they had early in the year forced them to play some young guys. Dylan uh-huh. Powers, Deshaun Brown, Shane O'Neill, Clint Irwin,
0: and all these guys responded. I mean... Brown had, Brown had a great game. Brown is the...
1: Brown is the... Deshaun Brown. Is Brown.
0: The, the only problem with the Rapids, though... Is that um, uh, Rivero? He got knocked out of the game, and you and you hope that that's not another injury right there, because because they're, they're going to need his ability up top to be you know creative for them, and uh, hopefully you know because he was down he was out with an injury earlier this season, so you hope that that whatever happened to him is not going to be a long term injury.
1: Right, I mean they you know they missed him. Their attack has missed him early in the year, and even though they still have been able to get results, uh, you, you know they're a better team with him. And uh, I'd say what man when they're. Full, the, all the games and all the minutes that all their reserves got uh, early in the year—that's going to pay dividends because now you have a deep, deeper bench, you have more options, you have more players who have confidence now because they were given chances in those games. And all these young players that I just mentioned—you uh, know, O'Neal, Powers, Brown, Irwin—I mean, all these guys now, if they are, if they are moved to the bench or if they you know kind of become part of a rotation. Those guys are confident now because they know they can do it. They've done it. They've played games already, and they they've won games. And they they're they're a good team. Man. They're they're you know are they are they an elite team? No, I, I wouldn't say that either. I think that they, they're still a team that you know you need to go get yourself like a DP uh, attacking player to kind of help put them over the top. But are they a solid team? Are they a team that absolutely could be a fifth a seed in the in the West and get in the postseason? Absolutely.
0: Yeah, I uh, I agree with you on that. I mean, don't look now, but Colorado is unbeaten their last five games, and a great test for them on June first against FC Dallas to really be for us to really see uh, what type of team they're going to be right there. They beat Colorado. I mean, I'm sorry, they beat Chivas USA this past weekend, uh, two to zero. Also, uh, quickly sporting Kansas City, Houston, one to one, right there. Uh, Kind of a uh, interesting game. Kai Kamara, excellent goal in that game, and uh, um, I'm blanking. And uh, Brad Davis, his that touch with his left foot on the outside, that was nasty. That was a one-one tie right there. That's what he does, man. (laughs) Brad Davis's left foot's best. I know. I'm just I'm just saying. I'm just saying it was nasty. That's all I'm saying.
1: Uh, You know, I I will say this: you got to give Houston credit for you know as much as yes, Kai Kamara scored the late equalizer, uh, the, the second half equalizer to get them to draw. But for Houston to go into Kansas City. Without their starting center backs, without Jermaine Taylor who was injured, Bobby Boswell who was suspended for his headbutt last week, for them to go into KC and get a point, you got to give them credit. You got to give them applause. You got to give Dom Kinnear props because that that's not easy, you know. And, and obviously Ricardo Clark and Eric Bruner, you know, stepped in and, and, and did the job, and and uh, you know they were great. And uh, Houston needed that, you know, after two straight losses at home. Uh it was easy to look at them and say, uh oh, something's going on here. They don't and I you know, that's their fortress. And all of a sudden they dropped two game two games there. So even though they didn't get the win in KC, I, I still think a draw is good to kind of boost their confidence. You talk about a guy like Will Bruin who showed that that skill on that goal to to set that up for Brad Davis. I mean, he's a guy who is absolutely on the for me, on the Gold Cup radar, he's playing well enough. He's showing enough versatility, enough qualities as a forward that Juergen Klinsmann has to be looking at him. So, uh, and then from Kansas City standpoint, hey, Kai Kamara's is back. Uh, Kansas City, uh, when you talk about coaches who've done well to to kind of rotate their squads and get guys minutes, I mean Peter Vermees, I thought I think is doing a great job in that department. And obviously having Kamara back, I mean, who knows how long you have him back because they could still sell him this summer. But still, working him back into the rotation, working Aiko Para into the rotation. Aiko Par has been great. In these recent games that, that he's been given, uh, he has stepped in and things, and, and they haven't missed a beat. Uh, whether it's been playing for Beaster, who was injured, or, or playing for uh, Aurelian Collin, as he did this past week, Aiko Paraman man, he he is showing quali- he is showing the qualities that people expected to see when he came out as such a highly regarded rookie. And obviously, his time in San Jose was you know beset by injuries. He had the broken foot multiple times, and and he just didn't settle in there. But I think the move to KC is paying off big time. And you're talking about a guy who, I tell you what, folks, don't write him off yet. He could still absolutely end up being a star center back.
0: Yeah, for me, I was uh, like I said, it was a really exciting game and it was, uh, it was pretty good. Okay, interesting game right here. D.C. United, Portland Timbers. Portland defeats D.C. United 2-0. to That's not interesting because D.C. United is not that good. However, Carlos Ruiz, after he throws a hissy fit, Gets the start. Dwayne De Rosario is on the bench. And now, I mean, DC United, things couldn't be even worse with now having off-the-field drama. Yeah,
1: man, things are getting, things are getting bad there. Uh, you know, they they lose another game, although they, they showed some they, – they played a little better. But then, you know, without fail, it's starting to happen, man. I mean, I feel like, you know what, when the tough gets going, you see, the, you see the real character in people. I think you see uh, the qualities the, 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 that make people good, good locker room guys, bad locker room guys, mm-hmm. good teammates, bad teammates. And, and Carlos Ruiz comes out, and I find this to be a little odd, and I can't remember this happening, where a player goes public and essentially rips the coach and, 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 and complains about lack of playing time and then then gets a start, and then you know, like and it you know, hey, he looks pretty good, he looked all right, he, mo- he showed good <laughs> movement, so you know what, you want to give Ben Olson credit, he gave it a shot. the The thing that has people in d c. scratching their heads, and me, and, and I think a lot of people is, uh, in what scenario? Can you bench Dwayne De Rosario? I mean, I we like. I'm sorry. I, I, I get the idea. That I, I get. I get the explanation of oh, well, you know, maybe Ruiz and De maybe as a fit on the field together doesn't work. Like that's apparently what the is this a U8, What
0: is this like a U8 team or something like that?
1: I don't know what it was, but listen, folks, you gotta have De Rosario on your on your on your on the field. Like I'm like I don't want to hear about fits. I mean, your team hasn't won in ten games. And you're leaving the MVP, the 2011 MVP, on the sideline like that? I thought that was absolutely shocking to me. Uh, you find a way to get him on the field. I mean, no offense to to Kyle Porter, but Kyle Porter should not be starting and ha- and Dwayne De on the bench, well. And then, the, then Nick DeLeon
0: played center mid in that game. That that really I'm, confused me.
1: Well, I mean, you know, that's not. I mean, he can play there I, just because he hasn't an MLS doesn't mean he, he can't play there. I mean, he can. Play there, and who knows? You know, maybe they, maybe maybe they they they're planning for the future. Maybe without a life after Dero, maybe they're going to trade Derosario. I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. But I tell you what, Ben Olsen's absolutely on the hot seat, and, and I'm not saying he should be fired. Uh, I, I for me, I personally think you know he hasn't been given a team that can really get it done. But I tell you what, man, they they it, if they lose another one, or if they lose an the Open Cup here in the middle of the week, uh, he absolutely get fired. Uh, he might not make it to June. Uh, and even if he gets to June, it, it might not be long after that if they don't start getting results. And uh, it, it's just funny how night and day the situations are between ben, when you talk about a Ben Olsen and you talk about a Caleb Porter who, you know, the the, the, the Timbers, man, they are on a roll, 11 games unbeaten. They're, they're just clicking so well. And now they're even starting to, you know, shake things up a bit. You know, Caleb Porter, uh, he, he brought in this new center back, uh who looked good? Looked good, and obviously, yeah. you know, you are playing DC, so you take that—you know—take that for what it's worth. But he—he he looked pretty good. Uh, he he throws in F- Freddie Pequan in the starting lineup to to start alongside Ryan Johnson, uh, w- without Diego Valeri there, and 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 they don't miss a beat. You know, they 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 they're just rolling. Uh, the Timbers, man, they are absolutely a legitimate team, well, and I just want to see how 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 they do when the schedule comes back around, and you get to see Portland against. A team like the Galaxy, and their next matchup against Seattle, because you know those matchups are always can't miss games.
0: Well, it also shows that you know Portland has you know a little bit of a, a tactical differences now when you watch. Because I mean, the style they played this past weekend was totally different. I mean, I, I think for the first time ever, maybe not ever, but maybe for the first time in a long time this season, they didn't have the advantage in possession. They played a little more balls up top, but hey, they showed that now they can. I mean, like you said, take it for what it is against DC United, but they can show that they can play in a different formation and still score and look and perform well in that. You know, right? I mean, they, they they're just they're playing with confidence,
1: and uh, it shows top to bottom. I mean, Rodney Wallace, man. I mean, you, when you talk about comeback, I mean, it, it's only May, but I mean, he is without question uh, the mo- you know a front runner. If the, you know for when you talk about most improved player, uh, obviously on SBI at the end of the year, we 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 will give a most improved player of the year award. He is the front runner. I mean, he is. I mean, he has taken full advantage of Caleb Porter's confidence in him, and, and Caleb Porter, Caleb Porter's decision to move him up into their attack and make him a starter. He's been unbelievable for them. So uh, things are just just rolling right now in Portland. And uh, I, I'll tell you what, I want to see those guys. I want to see them against Dallas again. I want to see them against Seattle. I want to see them against LA. Uh, you just want to see those matchups and see and see if they can keep it rolling and. and uh, they're looking good, man. And it's getting to that point now where you're thinking, you know, you have to talk about them as a potential, as a potential title contender. Really? I, I'd you what, man, they're as well as they're playing right now. Um, you have to take,
0: well, them Ivis, don't worry. They're playing FC Dallas on June 15th. So your wish is not that far away.
1: Oh, the games are coming. The game, the, the those tough games are coming. They're going to play Seattle again. I'm you know, I know they're going to play LA again. Um, so that that streak, that, that that unbeaten streak, is going to get tested.
0: Um, well, Ivis, that uh that wraps it up for our, our MLS coverage. You know what we didn't talk about was it, we really don't need to talk about it, but we'll just mention it. The third round of the U.S. Open Cup is this week too. All the MLS teams are entering uh into into the third round. So uh, go lower division teams. Beat all the MLS teams.
1: <laughs> I tell you what. Go man. PDL
0: teams. I want all four PDL teams to win. Ocean City, Nor'easters, uh, FC Tucson. Reading United, AC, and Des Moines Menace beat all the teams above you, please. You just wanted to mention FC Tucson. No, I want the PDL teams. I want to see a PDL team or like a USL pro team win this all. I just want to see it. Uh, That's
1: not happening. Let's be realistic. Although I will say this. The the one thing I will (laughs) say about this Open Cup is uh, the the organizers uh, did not do any favors to to the big boys when you talk about the LA Galaxy and Seattle Sounders having to travel cross-country, uh, in the heart of the of, the, of their schedules, to, uh, their MLS schedules, uh, and and you know have to go play on the East Coast. Uh, you know, I know Bruce Arena hated it, C. schmidt hated it, and I think it's interesting that when you talk about the Galaxy and the Sounders, two teams who have complained in the past about scheduling, f- were given the f- absolute worst draws in the tournament. Uh, you got to look at that and say, yeah, how much of a coincidence is that? Is it a coincidence? Is it a little retribution? I don't know, but I would say it's it, you
0: know it's it's I don't I don't know if it's the well, wisest approach. Hold on, I'm I'm looking at at the teams that they could possibly play. You know, teams that are in. The, I mean, there's really no teams on the West Coast, anyways. I mean, the only team is the LA Blues, but they're playing Chivas USA. Then, this, then I mean, every other team is about Texas and over.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's tough, but it just it, I think it's interesting that the for the second year in a row the the Galaxy have to go to the Carolinas. Yeah. Uh, in the middle of, of, of their the schedule that they have. I mean, hey, again, no, like, I, like we're talking about the McGee-Rogers state. no one is going to feel that bad <laughs> for the Galaxy. That, you know, poor them, they're going to have to send a, a second team, a second unit, uh, most likely, to, yeah. to play in the Open Cup.
0: Well, and good, and good for those teams. I mean, it's also an opportunity for those fans to see, you know, the like Galaxy come to town or to see the Seattle Sounders come to town. It's pretty cool. But like I said... Go lower division teams, knock all the MLS teams out, because um, just, just because. Uh, well,
1: I was just that, yeah, well that well that I mean clearly that would get the tournament a ton of of. of uh, gonna, I mean, it's not going to
0: happen. I mean, come on, seriously. <laughs> La, I mean, the only MLS team to lose last year actually there were two It was Chicago Fire, lost to the PDL team, the Bucks, and then and then um, I'm blanking. Port, yeah, Portland lost to Cal FC, which Cal FC had a bunch of guys who actually did play pro at one point in their career, so.
1: I don't know if we're going to see one of those again this no, year. No,
0: no, I, I don't. I don't think we will. But I, we, I can. I can dream that it can happen. Well, Ivis, that wraps up the show today. Everyone have an excellent time watching the game tomorrow. If you're at the game, enjoy the game. Wednesday. Oh, Wednesday. Excuse me. I'm. I'm. I'm yeah, Wednesday. It's. It's. It's late. It's. It's late for us. Ivis.
1: <laughs> yes, and I, I would tell everyone to make sure you're you're reading SBI. You know, we we are here. Team SBI is in Cleveland. Uh, I'm here. Who, who's on the All Star uh, team? Dan Carell, and uh, Franco Panizo, where we all made the trek out here from uh, from the East Coast, and uh, we'll, we'll be covering it uh, all throughout on Tuesday and on Wednesday. So be sure to check out all the coverage. Uh, we're going to be uh, at every match uh, except the Jamaica match. We'll be in DC for the, the the Germany friendly, and we will be in Seattle for the big Panama USA qual- qualifier, and uh, and also in Salt Lake City for the. Honduras qualifier. So make sure to keep checking out our coverage on the national team on
0: SBI. Look at you hanging out with the U23 All-Star SBI team.
1: <laughs> hey, I got it. it's the the next generations coming along, man. We're we're, we're continuing to try to build up this staff, uh, you know, as I say, we we're we're like the Arsenal uh, of of websites because people just keep you know people keep keep taking our top talent and you know what it's all part of it you know that it's great it's great to see these guys move on and 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 for all you aspiring writers out there if you if you want to uh, hone your craft and 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 move on up and and get noticed uh, SBI is absolutely the place yeah, to just, do Yeah just
0: bug the crap out of Ivis on Gchat and he'll eventually give you a job
1: Yeah just keep emailing me and uh, <laughs> I'll ignore I'll ignore a few months and eventually uh, you just might make
0: it. That's what I did. I just kept bothering the crap out of you. <laughs> uh, That's the way to do it. I know. It is, it is the way to do it. Um, well, Ivis, have a, have a good time at the game on Wednesday. Everyone, have a great time. If you're there, if you're watching, be safe. Don't do anything stupid. Game is on ESPN2. Watch ESPN. I don't know what that is. At Unimos, uh, game is at 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific on Wednesday in Cleveland. Everyone, have a good time. Ivis, have a great time. Uh, I'll try. We'll,
1: uh, we'll be having fun. Uh, I'll tell you what, I am looking forward to the trip to D.C. for that USA-Germany centennial yes. anniversary celebration match. And uh, I, think I, I love the- D.C. Always, uh, always a great time there.
0: I think I saw they already sold, what, 42000 for that game?
1: Oh, it's gonna be it's yeah. gonna be packed. It's, gonna, it's gonna, be, gonna be
0: packed. It's gonna be off the chain. I think that's what the youth say. I was right. Off the heezy
1: for sheezy the
0: heezy? No, that that see that that's too old. <laughs> that that's that's that, you, you just dated yourself right off there. Off the heezy? No. that is,
1: that's not that doesn't go anywhere.
0: I don't think I've ever heard anyone my age. All say, right, right, how about this? This
1: is this is this is up to date. Yeah, what's up? You want to you want to you're gonna want to be in DC for the Germany game because it's gonna be turn up.
0: What's that? That's the thing. Turn up. Turn up. Turn up. Turn up. Who says that uh, everybody? Out here on the West Coast, someone'd be like, okay, someone would be like, you want to go to the game because it's going to be hella good. That's what you could say on the West Coast and that'd be that'd be acceptable. That's like that's like 30 years old. That's No, it's like, not. Everyone says that now. Still? Yes, they do. Wow. That's from like the 80s. Well, it's all the bros from like Fresno and like the Nevada area. Yeah, I don't know if you should they, speak they for all pop, the West Coast. Well, you're, not, well, you're, you're not you're not given the
1: best. Well, well,
0: I hear that all the time though. It stretches everywhere. I hear you're that. not you're not in LA.
1: You're not chilling in LA, though. Stop
0: it. I'm on the West Coast. Arizona counts. I There's a good... no coast
1: in Arizona. It's details, landlocked. details, dude. Those are <laughs> those
0: are details, man. I was... hey, this is the are... longest show ever. I know. I, dude, this show is is crazy long. And whoever's listening to the show, I really hope you enjoy this BS banter at the end of it because yes. I'm, I'm including all of you,
1: you know what? We should have some kind of award contest at the end of this <laughs> that if you made it to this point that we should reward you. But unfortunately, we have no way to track that. And anyone could just lie and tell nor, us they nor, did do Nor
0: does Ivis have prizes or, or want to money my prizes. Yeah, I, don't have,
1: I have nothing. I have no, Actually, I the you.
0: prize could be is if I go up to Salt Lake, we should have someone join us in, you know, on, on the show. And they could, like, I don't know, talk about something.
1: Uh, you know what? T- I'm Listen, folks. All right, we're going to do this here. I'm, I'm going to try to come up with some kind of prize. But if you're listening still to the end of the show, <laughs> if you've gotten to this point, and you have Twitter, and you tweet me, SBI. 2013, I will I will put your name in a hat for a, a, an as yet unnamed prize of some kind. It won't be anything outrageous. It would probably be something maybe national team related or definitely soccer related. I'll make it happen. I'll put it, I'll put the names in a hat and I'll, I'll hand I'll give some stuff out. Maybe a scarf, maybe a national team scarf, something like that. We're gonna make something happen. Don't tell anybody. You've earned this. You've gotten to this point in our show. SBI 2013. Tweet it to me, and I'll put your name in
0: the hat. So, make it happen, folks. Nice. I like that. That's it's a little something. A little no, that's different. good. That's good. I, I like that. I like that. All right, Ivis, this show is almost two hours. We need to wrap it up. You have a good oh, time crap. at the game on Wednesday. Ivys, and I will be back again later this week. Thank you for listening to the SBI show. Also, thank you. If there's any problems with the sound, Ivis is, like, in a bathroom or something like that at the hotel that he's <laughs> at. I don't know where he's at. I've,
1: um, I've commandeered a conference room, and uh, we're trying to make it happen. And listen, folks, you know, we're, we're – uh, the, we know the audio is, is not isn't I know. Not the best we're doing
0: this times, cross country. It's not always country. Garrett's fault. We're doing I just this defend co- We're here. doing Garrett's this th- cross country. I mean, I'm in Phoenix, you're in Jersey, it's across the country. Come on.
1: I don't know. People just you know what it is, man? I just don't I don't I mean, think, we're I just on don't think s- people like you. God, <laughs>
0: like I said, Ivas, take take a number. Take a number.
1: <laughs> it's all good, man. Haters, haters make you famous so
0: yeah th- thanks I I, I, pr- I appreciate that Ivis that wraps up the show have a, have a good time thanks man I will Ivis and I'll be back again on Thursday as always we appreciate excellent reviews on iTunes thank you so much everyone for listening this is the SBI show